أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم In the name of God, most merciful, ever merciful, and may God's peace and blessings be upon his holy prophet Muhammad and the purified members of his household and progeny. So over the past uh, few weeks, we decided that before continuing on, we'll spend just a little bit of time making sure that what we've covered until now has been properly understood, properly assimilated. And then we can continue with uh, maybe a couple more lectures that have to do with slightly more advanced topics related to science, and we'll come back to that. So depending on how much time we have today, I thought we would continue with the review where we stopped last time. If we have time, we'll cover, we'll go over the same parts of the review that we already covered, just to make sure that there are properly understood by everybody. And then we'll maybe talk about the next uh, topics that we want to address. So if you remember, <clears throat> initially what we talked about was the importance of religion and how it can have an impact on our lives, the distinction between a worldview that has God in the middle in the center, and a worldview that doesn't. So we refer to the first one as a theistic worldview, and we call the second one a materialistic worldview. Today, these are the two alternatives. Either someone believes in something, or they say, I don't believe in anything, and the something is either it's God or not. So if you're confident and you have taken a position in believing in God, then you have a theistic worldview. And that means that you have a way of understanding the world, of experiencing the world, the, the glasses that you wear and through which you see the world, they have God in it. And that changes everything. And we've talked from a few different aspects on what that means. And inshallah, we'll continue with that. That topic is not done. And the alternative to that, either you do have a position or you don't. And we haven't really spent too much time talking about people who don't have a position. Usually they refer to themselves or people refer to them as agnostic. So we'll get to that later. But for those who have taken a position, so either you do believe in God or you're materialist, to use the proper terminology. So once we talked about the proofs for the existence of God, what we mean by God, so we spent a little bit of time explaining the different attributes. So these are the different dimensions, the different aspects that allow us to understand God better from our perspective as human beings. Then we took a little bit of time to try to see why is it that sometimes some people do not even seem to want to engage with the substance of our argument. So if we want to talk with someone about whether we should believe in God or not, in certain cases, we seem to run into people who have what we refer to as a, a blockage. So let's go back to that topic. Do you guys remember the, let's call them the historical roots of that, and then the other reasons why sometimes people may not 
fully engage with the ideas, the, the ideas themselves, the arguments themselves. What are some of the reasons why people will have a sort of blockage so that they will not look at the substance of the argument? You want to talk about whether there is a God or not. You want to talk about whether there's even a possibility that we should be following a religion, adopting a religious worldview in our lives. And they don't even want to go there. It's like they're not really listening to the arguments you're putting forward. And there's more and more of those people. So what are some of the reasons why? And these are important for us to know so that we can recognize them. If you, you're talking with someone, even for yourselves, in all of our lives, we may not have these same reasons for not believing in God. We may all believe in God and we may all believe in religion, but there are details in religion where we may encounter these same factors that we're going to go through now. When we are confronted, when we are faced with certain details in religion. So they're important to understand. They're the same ones. So does anyone remember some of them? Yeah. Uh, well, if you look at, like a lot of them look at society and how uh, some people may have used it in a corrupt way, used like religion in a corrupt way to like gain uh, money or like other world, worldly uh, possessions, like power and all that. And so they'd say like, it's not true or, or like I'm not going to believe it because it's been used in this way so therefore God can't exist or something. That's That's a really big one. That's a very important one. And people go back in history, especially people who are a little bit more educated, and they want to show how religion was used in a certain way. So this is how religion was used to gain things. And usually in that same argument, how religion was also used to kill people. Okay, so these all go together. You go back in history and you see in every way how religion under the name of religion, under the guise and pretext and excuse of religion, religion led to this. Religion led to some people being using corruption or being corrupted and doing it for worldly gains for themselves in a selfish way, leading to the poverty of the rest of society, for instance. Or using religion or under the name of religion, going to war and killing thousands or millions of people. Right? So this is one very big factor and it will come up again and again. And again, something to keep in mind for us because we may fall into the same trap. And it's not as easy as that. And the, the easy answer to this is the very important distinction we have to make between the people and the idea. In the case of religion, that's why we spent time, we're spending time trying to understand what are the teachings of religion what's the belief system what's the world view what are the foundations of religion regardless of who you are what i'm concentrating on is these ideas no one is probably going to be able to take those ideas and personify them and apply them 100 percent in their lives they're human and they make mistakes if i have an issue with that person, I have an issue with the person, not the ideas that they believe in. And this is something very important. If you study philosophy or critical thinking in university, right from the first course, 
they teach you things that are called fallacies. So fallacies are arguments that may seem like they're valid arguments, but in reality they're not really arguments. It's easy to trick people with them. And one of those fallacies is to attack someone instead of attacking their idea. So let's say someone comes to you and tells you, you really shouldn't smoke. It's really bad for your health. And you tell them, yeah, but you smoked. It's true. Maybe they smoked. Maybe they didn't. Regardless of whether they smoked or not, you have to study the argument that they put forward. If they're saying smoking is bad for your health, that may still remain valid whether that person smoked or not. Now you can tell them you are not in a position to preach and teach and tell people, but that's secondary. The idea is still valid. The argument is still good. So if someone comes and tells you religion is bad because it was used against to, for someone to make worldly gains or for selfish reasons, it's true. It doesn't mean the idea of religion or the teachings of religion are not valid in themselves. You cannot attack the idea just by attacking the people who claim to have done things uh, under the name, under the guise of religion. Right? So, this is one very important way of people blocking off your argument for the existence of God or for following a religion simply by saying, well, there are things, there are bad things that have happened in history under the name of religion and therefore religion cannot be good and you just close the door on that. I'm not even going to look at the arguments you presented because one day in the past someone used religion in the wrong way or they're still using religion in the wrong way today and no one would agree with this. And therefore I'm not even going to listen to to what you have to say. Okay, so that's one. That's a big one. What other reasons? Like psychologically, they're not willing to like believe in it. I guess. Okay. That's Why? Stereotypes. stereotypes. So more, more, please. What do you mean by stereotypes? They have a belief, a sort of belief built on what your ideology is, so they don't want to even based on. The belief that they have built, they don't want to get into it, I guess, or something like that. Elaborate more. So, or examples. Uh, Muslims yeah. are terrorists or killers, or uh, they're all, they're uh, oppressing women and so on. So why would I look into it, or why would I listen to a person that holds these types of beliefs? If, and if that's a belief that I hold on, that these people hold on to, yeah, why waste my time? Yeah, so this is another very good point. So what we're talking about is sometimes reasons why people do not even accept to look into religion or believe in God or accept the idea of researching or thinking about religion. So we talked about historical reasons. Now we're talking about psychological or stereotypes. The examples that you mentioned are really good, and they go a lot beyond that. And we talked a little bit about them. The examples you mentioned are, I think, the most extreme ones, but we all encounter them now. Uh, the, the more moderate versions of it is simply 
generally speaking, this is a most moderate version, the idea of a religious person just not being very educated, the religious person not being very scientific, critical mind, uh, not very well-read, uh, they live in a completely different world, kind of like a hippie thinking or whatever you want to refer to it. Exactly. So they're not up to up to speed or where science is, where education is, where progress and advancement are. So the stereotype is can be applied to this. And again, it goes to the same idea that was just presented now, which is you're generalizing, you look at something and so you attack you have a psychological blockage against religion because there are examples of things that you have witnessed, that you have encountered, that in your mind have now been associated with religion. Religion means this. So this can mean as simple as someone who's not very educated, or it can mean something that's very, a lot more extreme, which is look at how they treat women, look at how they are violent, look at, look at, and so on and so forth. So, very good psychological reason. Yes, it's uh, based on stereotypes. So now we have, we look into historical reasons. We call those societal reasons, the first ones, okay? We said that societal reasons include the use of religion and association of religion with things that are political, things that are economic, financial. So you look at a society and you say, because this society is religious. Because this society has adopted a religious system, look at their finances and how bad they're doing financially. Because they, that society has adopted religion or a religious system, look at how poorly they are doing politically. Look at how poorly they are doing socially. Look at their education system. Look at their legal system. Okay, so these are all one group of reasons we call societal. The second one that you mentioned now, they're more at the individual level, stereotypes. And of course, today these stereotypes are huge. The moment you have media or mass media and social media contributing to this, it becomes a general perception in society that is even more difficult to uh, counter because this is the general masses. It's not like one-on-one. -on -one. What this person believes is what 90% or 80% or 50% of people believe it. So it's that much more work on you to undo that stereotype. Okay, what other reasons? Yeah. Uh, personal trauma. Personal trauma. Such as? Uh, like, let's say, I don't know, like a, kid, like a kid gets abused by his father and his father is claiming it in the name of religion or something. Yeah. He would get, like, abused or... And this is a big one here, but it's everywhere in one form or another. But here with the church and priests and there's every day there's a new scandal. A lot of people, if you look at the other side of it, it means a lot of people have been victim of this. And the person who's a victim, like everything else in life, the moment you have a victim, the victim is not only the person. That victim has a family. And that victim has people who love them and people who care about them. And so they will also be impacted by this. So if you can see how many real victims there are, in addition to people who care about them, 
you see that this has very large impacts in society. And for us, yes, that actually exists too. We have these kinds of behaviors, not of the same type, but behaviors that are associated with religious people. They are very wrong behaviors. They're huge mistakes. They're really problematic. But they're taking place in our communities, here, elsewhere in the world, depending on your culture, your community, the practices. And people say, well, religious people do this. And they associate that this, whatever wrong it is, they associate that with religion. And if your only image of religion is based on this or that person, and they all do it, they all do this wrong, they all do this mistake, that's it. In your mind, this is now reflective of religion. So before someone can even explain to you a religious topic, all you can think about when the, when the topic has to do with religion is those experiences you went through. You have absolutely no interest in going beyond that until those issues are resolved, until someone can actually show you how these two things are not associated. And religion does not actually mean that or that behavior is rejected by religion, or not all religions accept that kind of behavior, until someone is actually able to get through to you with this, you're stuck. You will not be able to look at the argument for itself and talk about God and talk about religion because you've actually suffered real trauma. Or you know someone close to you who has suffered real trauma, and you can associate with them, and you, have, you don't want to have anything to do with this. Right? Okay. Any other reasons? Um, sometimes people like they 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 they're comfortable where they are, and they just don't they just don't want to learn more. They think they know enough. So this is a good one. We talked about it, and we've talked about it in different ways and or different places. And this is one of them. It's someone who we said it could be out of laziness. It could be out of lack of knowledge, and the lack of knowledge is a big one. This is one type of it. This is one way it comes out. Other ways it comes out is people are just completely misinformed about religion. They actually know, but what they know is very little and it's completely distorted. And they want to rely on that little knowledge and generalize it and say, this is, I know enough and it's all distorted. And because of that, there's a blockage to learn anything more. And this actually happens more than we think. So a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing, as they say. And sometimes it's, it goes as far as the laziness. Someone who's very comfortable, comfortable in their lifestyle. Someone who's not willing to change. They know, they, who doesn't know that the moment, let's say you want to even start looking into Islam and you're really genuinely looking into it, seriously, sincerely looking into it. Do you not know that Islam is also going to come with a commitment towards hijab. It may end up going there. It may come with a commitment towards not eating certain foods or not drinking certain things or not engaging in certain activities. If you're not willing to even go there, regardless of whether it's the truth or not, there are things that you're not willing to do. And this is usually because of intellectual reasons, because you're misinformed, because you have given value to the wrong things. So someone, if you have the open, open-mindedness, the open-heartedness for someone to explain to you why those things are not as important as you think they are, 
then fine, that will work. But the issue is when you block it off, when you decide that, you know what, I've made a choice in my life, I will never let go of alcohol. Why? What has made you make that decision? Is it really that good? So the issue is there, when there's that kind of blockage. If you are willing just to open your mind to maybe hearing the other side and seeing, okay, maybe there are things that are, maybe it's good, maybe it is good, but maybe there's something better. So it's worth sacrificing this for that. And we all do that in our lives. So that means that you've decided to create a, a, a barrier, a blockage. Who, who doesn't reach any success in life? Any success that is reached, someone sacrificed something. Why were they able to sacrifice that? They thought it was worth it. They found something that has a higher value than that. So they were able to sacrifice it. There are people who sacrifice their health or their sleep or eating the foods they like or chilling with their friends all the time. Why? Because they have something they've given more value to than that thing. So why are you deciding before looking into it that those things are more important than those other things. Give yourself a chance and just learn about it. And maybe you're going to decide, like me, like someone else, that, you know what, maybe it is worth sacrificing these pleasures if they really truly are pleasures. These comforts, if they truly are real comforts, they're worth sacrificing, even if they're really good. They're worth sacrificing because there's something even better than that. Okay? So maybe to go a little bit uh, faster, there was also the inferiority-superiority complexes. So again, this is maybe having to do with the stereotypes and the perception, but we have that too. That generally speaking, people who are religious, and you have that, and it's happening a lot in our countries more than here right now. So the more you open up, the more you see, and you feel that as a society, as a community, as religious people, people associated with religion, you're always inferior, they're always superior, the other is always superior. So that's what it takes for me to become like them. Religion is what's holding me back, right? And sometimes this has to do with us too, okay? And our own perception, our own self-image or image of the others. It could also be peer pressure, so on and so forth. The link that I don't want you guys to miss because we're trying to push. So these are the direct reasons. But a lot of this actually started, so this is important to keep in mind. This was not always the case in society that there was this kind of blockage towards religion. There's a movement that started, and that movement started with the time of the, the, the lights or the illumination or, or, or there's different words for it. It was following the scientific revolutions in Europe. Okay? So for the past two and a half, maybe three centuries, you see the events that happened in Europe were the trigger for a lot of this today. <clears throat> so what happened in Europe? So people who are educated, and that's where I was trying to go to uh, when we first started talking about this with, with what you mentioned, is that people who are well-read or they think that they're well-read in history, they understand the, the reason why certain events happened the way they did. They understand and they associate 
that if today the West has been able to reach progress, to reach scientific, industrial, economic, political advancement, the reason is because they were able to let go of the old way of living and seeing the world, which had religion in the middle. So when the West revolted, the revolutions were against the entire system in place. So they got rid of the big pieces of that system. So they got rid of the church and God and religion. They got rid of the monarchy, which was an extension of that. It was seen as though God puts the king in place. And they were all living in poverty. And very few people in society were benefiting from that wealth. So they revolted against all of that. And instead of that, they put the human being in the middle. And they put the rights of the human being in the middle. And the most important of those rights is freedom. And the most important entity is the human being, which is the exact opposite of the older model, which had God in the middle. There was a hierarchy of being with God at the top. And then there was a king. And then there were subjects. And in the middle, there's all the, everything associated with the church. So all of that was higher. And everybody agreed with that system. That's the kind of world you lived in. All of this was now flipped. We tried this for centuries. It didn't work. It only led to wars. It only led to famine and disease and poverty and a bad, corrupt political system and, and, and. We're going to get rid of all of that and replace it with something a lot better, which is what? We're going to put the human being in the middle. We're going to call it humanism. We're going to put the human being in the middle and the most sacred thing now is the freedom of that human being. So anything that touches the freedom of that human being is now a huge problem. Do not say, do not do, do not teach anything that limits the freedom of the human being. If you do, you don't understand what kind of world we're trying to build. The more you push that, the more you go towards what they call liberalism. Everything that stops that is seen as slowing down human progress. So if you want the more sophisticated version of what we just talked about, this is what it is. I'm not going to listen to the argument that you want to present to me because one way or another it may lead to this. It may lead to curtailing, to limiting, minimizing the freedom and the human being at the center of everything. And this is what we meant when we said you can have two worldviews. You either have a materialist worldview or you have a theistic worldview. Why? Because the theistic worldview, if you believe in God, God is in the middle. If you don't, they've put the human being in the middle. Or, to be more blunt and more philosophical, they've put matter in the middle. And everything's around matter. If everything's around matter, then the only thing that means anything is this materialistic world. This materialist world. A world of matter. It ends when you die. 
So that changes the way you live as opposed to someone who doesn't think it ends when you die. If it doesn't end when you die, then your calculations, what you take into consideration is a lot bigger, a lot more complex, has a lot more layers and a lot more nuances and there's a lot more in your equation of what you take into consideration than someone who says it stops when I die. So it's a race against the clock because when I die, it's all over. There's nothing after I die. There are no consequences. There's nothing that happens after that point. Yeah. In that case, there's no purpose of life. And it can lead to, if they are true to themselves, there's no purpose of life. But a lot of people today, they've hit that wall. Those who are really aware and educated and the ones who are not deluding themselves, they hit that wall. And now they're coming back. So now they're putting purpose in, in other places, elsewhere. Because it's too difficult to live as a human being. There was a whole philosophy that came out of that. After that humanistic movement started, humanism, and everything that came out of that, especially around the First World War, Second World War, there's entire philosophical systems that came up. Because there was no longer any purpose. So some of them were saying there is no purpose, so do whatever. And the others were saying there is no purpose and it's all miserable and it's all depression and this is life. And the others are hell and, 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 and. Okay, entire philosophies were built around these. The, these realizations. Now they're trying to put purpose elsewhere. And that's why when, if you remember, at some point I brought a book and I said, there's now an insistence from people who are openly and actively atheistic, there's an insistence from them that they are also ethical and moral people. The reason is why? The reason is they want to show that there is purpose and they live a good life. Because the moment you remove that, you remove the afterlife, you removed something higher than a human being outside of your material world, what's the purpose? What's the point of being good? What does it do? So that opens that whole door, that whole discussion, and inshallah we'll get into it, but this is a philosophy of ethics or philosophy, moral philosophy that requires a good lengthy discussion to see the best arguments on both sides. What are they saying? Is it logical? Is it convincing? Is it possible to actually live a good life? Let's call it a good life. Good life meaning an ethical life, a purposeful life, a conscious life. Is it possible to live that kind of life if everything ends when you die and there is nothing beyond matter? And that's why we see today there's a lot of other movements trying to put purpose elsewhere, giving you back purpose in other ways. So that's a very good link. Okay. That was reasons for the blockage. So can someone tell me now, we've talked about materialism, what have we meant when we said materialism? What is materialism? Or some of the main principles of materialism? Yes, Fadlassi. Um, it's uh, when uh, you don't look at life in an in a, in a, in a afterworld type of matter, like you're going to be judged for this and that, and you don't look at your life like 
I'm going to work hard for my afterlife rather than there's no point in working hard for my afterlife. You're just wasting time. And so basically you want the fast cars. So basically like a person with the, who works hard for fast cars and good cars is better than a person who works is way better than a person that works hard for his afterlife. Okay. So that's what, like that's the like basically they don't they don't they don't take in the afterlife in their calculations because they don't believe in it. Definitely, this is good. But when we explained materialism, we said so everything you said is right, but we presented it with we said here are the main principles of materialistic materialist thought. If you're a materialist, these are the main foundations of your worldview. Yes. Okay, so what do you when you say everything? What do you mean everything? Every what? Everything like the universe. Okay, so there there's two ways. Everything is under matter. There's nothing supernatural. Yeah, so there's two ways to say this to 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 say what you said. Because you said five senses, you could have said differently, and I wouldn't have said that. The moment you said five senses, the five senses are useful for what? They allow us to have access to the world, to know the world. Our entry point, if we didn't have the five senses, we're stuck inside our own mind, right? We have no access to the world. These are our windows, our doors to the outside world, outside of our mind. So it becomes a matter of knowledge. So everything I know or everything I can know can only be based on the five senses. Okay? That's one. Or, and that's true, that's one of the tenets of materialism. So everything I know, I can only know with the five senses. The other side to that, and it's a lot worse than the first one, is everything that exists is nothing but what I have access to with the five senses. Or how they say it, because they associate these two, they say, if something exists, it is matter. Only matter exists. And this is the most important foundation of materialism. It starts and stops there. If you understand that part, the only thing that exists is matter then everything else comes out of that. So if only matter exists, then in the theory of knowledge, this is a theory of existence, what exists, the being, and how do I have access to that? That's the theory of knowledge. I have the five senses to reach what exists. Okay? So these are two huge tenets. The others, they're only derived from that. So if only matter exists, what are the main attributes of matter? Do you remember? Or some of them? Or one of them? It's un I, I just have it that matter is uncreated. That's a really good one. So they use science, and that's the point that we want to get back to. Mm -hmm. Science is used because they say there's a law in science that says that matter and energy are never created or destroyed. Mm 
It can only be transformed. So based on that, matter in one form or another, matter is eternal. If matter is eternal, I don't need your necessary cause. I don't need a reason for the universe to exist. It's always been here and will always be here. Right? That's a claim. Remember? What else? It's all derived from this. What else do we reach? Everything is a result of interaction of matter. Exactly. So any phenomena that you have, anything you encounter in the world, has to be explained with matter interacting with matter. There's no other way to explain anything. Okay? And one more important thing around all of that. Do you have it, Sayyid? Yes. What? Uh, because everything is material, there is no purpose or goal? There is no purpose. Because it's matter. Because it's material interactions. There's no purpose. And that destroys what? That destroys the second proof for the existence of God. Everything is created with purpose. Everything has design. You just destroyed that. You just said there is no purpose. I can't even open the topic with you about whether there is design in the world if I'm a materialistic. If I'm, if I'm a materialist. If I don't believe that there's anything beyond matter. What, you're going to tell me matter has a purpose on its own? There's nothing else but matter that exists. So matter created, like the atoms decided by themselves, it doesn't make any sense. So I'm not even going to go beyond. It's a complete blockage. Right? Okay. So these are the main tenets of the main pillars, foundations of materialist belief. Okay. So do you remember some of the arguments related to that? So if we want to counter some of the claims, we're not going to repeat the whole lesson and how to answer each one of them. But how do we counter some of this? Some of these are very, very simple. Let's go here. Yes. That's very good. Feelings is the easy one. Because they may obviously say the soul doesn't exist. And we're going to come back to that. It's coming, inshallah. Yes? Uh, science recognizes a lot of uh, things that can't be seen with your eye, for example, or, like, yeah, like, for example, UV light, all that, and radiation. So what does that tell us? That how, how does that help us? That there's things outside of our five senses that are available, we just can't access it. Okay. There's still matter, Okay. It's basically like you can't say things while you can't see it. Like you can't say there's UV lights, UV lights here because we don't have the sense to see it. Same way with science, we don't have the tools to see whether we have a soul or not or if there's angels or not. So how can we say it? We you could say you don't know, but you can't say there is not or there or there is using science. Yeah. Uh, if you say that like everything's made made up of matter, which is like one like just matter, everything made up of matter, which is like one thing. Uh, the argument with like quantum mechanics, how like how does matter react this way here, but 
in another like side it reacts a different way it uh, interacts a different way so like if you're saying that it's the same thing like how can you explain that this one is very dangerous it's going to be used against you and it's a topic we haven't talked about yet but we're going to have to come to it uh, eventually um, there's a topic in the big heading of you know uh, proving the existence of God that we haven't talked about and I was thinking of maybe talking about it after we talk about two or more three scientific topics and coming back to it and inshallah we will just to make sure that we understand it properly because I think if people keep that one in mind you close the door to a lot of weaknesses that we have in our the way we present some of our topics especially people who like to use science to prove the existence of God and that topic is they call him the God of the gaps so what's the God of the gaps? that's a topic the God of the gaps is basically that if you go back in history God has been that thing that you use to fill gaps. Gaps of what? Gaps of ignorance. When you do not have knowledge. When you're not sure of something, you don't have an answer to it yet, 100% scientific answer. What do you do? You fill it with God. This has always been the case in history. The problem is if you do that, so the only way for me to explain, and inshallah I will show you how Newton used this way, God and his system, and why that was very weak of him. And that created a whole problem for centuries that still exists today. And so people are now afraid to talk about science. If you've really studied that that argument properly, you're very afraid to use science to prove anything, to show anything related to God. There are people who actively try to make others believe in God, and they will not talk about things like proof from design. They're afraid of that. Why? Because they're afraid that one day, I'm going to put all of my eggs in one basket, and that basket is science. And I'm going to tell you that Look, science has done all these discoveries and has advancements and has progress and, 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 including quantum mechanics. But it still can't explain this. Therefore, God exists. I'm just summarizing, simplifying, but that's what it is. The problem is, what if tomorrow or in 10 years or in a thousand years, someone comes and either comes with a much better theory that now explains this, I don't even need this whole theory, or I actually explain it. There is now a reason to explain. A way to explain with mechanics, with things that are very simple, we just were looking in the wrong place. We have the wrong understanding. And if you put this one and you use this, this equation and these notions, you don't no longer need all this mystery and this stuff that you don't understand. And that's it. You don't need God. Science can explain it. This is the God of the gaps problem. And this is a very big problem. If you want to go and read about it, you see the danger 
in using God and saying, see how much science has progressed, and yet there is still this that we don't know about, this is where God is. This proves God is there. Yeah, but then this, this is a gap in science today. That gap is not going to be there tomorrow. So be careful how you use it. You can still use it, just be careful. And the way you present your arguments. There are things, this is the, the key to this, is no matter what science can do and no matter what science is going to discover and how much is going to progress, there are things that are beyond science. The ultimate purpose is never going to be explained by science. Science cannot explain the purpose. It can explain to you how, but it can't explain to you why. It can explain to you the law. It can't tell you why the law is there and why it's not a, dif why it's not a different law. Why is it this constant? Why is it this law? Why is it this type of gravity? Why is it... This is the part that science can never say. Okay? Let's go back to the last topic that we covered. The last topic was the beginning of this couple of lectures that we wanted to dedicate to talking about more scientifically advanced topics. Just to have an idea of what science is saying, and in a lot of circles and a lot of forums and platforms and places, they consider this the strongest arguments. People unfortunately take these scientific theories, scientific propositions, and in a lot of cases they're not even very solid because there's still a lot of research required for them. But people have jumped on these and they've twisted them to make them say, therefore God does not exist. Therefore, religion can never be true. Okay, so we started with that. And the first one that we addressed was what? What was the book that we went through? Universe from Nothing. Universe from Nothing. Do you remember the author? Crawford. Pardon me? Is it Crawford? Close. You have half of it. Lawrence Krauss. Right? Lawrence Krauss. Okay, so Lawrence Krauss, you should know his name. Remember his name too, not just the name of the book. His name is more important than the name of the book. Because there's a few authors that I think you guys should know. Here's, he's one of them. He's a very big scientist, very popular, very, very influential. So when you know the person and you know some of what they've written and how they think and what they've said, it's a lot easier to engage with someone because you right away recognize a pattern and where their argument is coming from. So, as the title of his book suggests, the book is about what? What was he trying to argue? That the universe could have come from nothing. And so he tries to show us how. So what was the issue with what he's presented? His definition of nothing was something. So it included what? What did we need for his nothing to work? All the laws of physics and stuff. Excellent. All the laws of physics as we know them. As we know them. Yes? 
empty space, but we needed space, yes. The expansion of the universe. Thank you, that the universe is expanding. And how can nothing end up being something? If it's nothing. No, no, huwa, huwa. What, what is he saying? How is he defining nothing? Oh. So he said nothing has all the laws of the universe as we know them. There is empty space and it's expanding. And there is something that basically is the key in all of this that makes something come out of nothing, which is what he calls, or what is usually called, it's not just him, the quantum fluctuation. Okay, so for those of you interested in this, I say it so that you remember the word. It's a big topic, you can always research it. Okay, so that was the first big topic that we addressed. In, in summary form, we didn't go into a lot of details, but I think we gave some of the highlights and some of the issues. And the reason we did that is that we recognize a pattern. So that anyone else who comes and claims something like that, I'm trying to make you have the tools so that regardless of what they claim, you start with this. Sure, from nothing. Can we talk about nothing? What kind of nothing is it? Define your nothing, please. What are the conditions for this to work? Because it's supposed to be science. It's supposed to be very concrete, very deliberate, very precise. So what's your definition of nothing? How does it work? And when you go through that, it's not just with Lawrence Krauss, because there's different versions of this with Stephen Hawking and with others. You, have, you kind of start seeing where the problems are, right? That the nothing that they're talking about is actually not nothing, how normal people understand it. Okay. So inshallah, in the next topics, some of the ones that I thought would be interesting to look at. Yeah. Do we, uh, what are we going to talk about purpose of life? Do we do that like soon? Or? So what do you mean purpose of life? Like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, like, there's different definitions of what's the purpose of life. Uh, like, uh, what, what's the point of us living uh, according to, like, the Islam? Uh, well, obviously, it's not just the goal of the afterlife. Like, there's there's a purpose for this life too, or, or and then there's individual purposes. What's the purpose of my life, and what's the purpose of his life, something like that. I don't know if Islam talks about that. But... Islam talks about that, and I wasn't planning on talking about oh, that, yeah. but maybe it's worth talking about. So it's uh, it could definitely be a good uh, a good topic, a good lecture. So I'll keep it in mind purpose in general yeah um, and you won't find this topic in this way that you're asking you won't find it in older books this is a more modern question in this way so the next topics related to science specifically one of them has to do with the beginning of life so of course the link here is always back to materialism so the next question that we wanted to ask was, how did life begin? And is it possible for life to begin through purely materialistic means or not? What does science say? Kind of like what we did with, can the universe start from nothing? Can life start from only matter? Okay, that's one. And the reason this one is important is because in a lot of cases, I think we... When we haven't studied the topic in depth, 
it's easy for people to combine two items together. Those two items are evolution of life and the beginning of life. These are two completely different topics. In science, the specialists, there's completely different fields to study each of, each of these topics. There are people who specialize in the beginning of life, the origin of life. That's one topic, one field. And there's another field that is how life evolved. So generally speaking today, the theory of evolution is the main theory. But the theory of evolution can only start after you've addressed the issue of how did life begin. And then I can tell you how it evolved. It's kind of like in physics, I can explain, I can create models, computer models that bring me back all the way to the Big Bang, right? But then I can't go to the beginning of that. I can always go to fractions of a, an instant, of a second, of a millisecond after it started. I can create models in a computer by putting in all the data. But the actual beginning, where was it? How did it start? That's what we try to do with universe out of nothing. Okay, that's where the issue is. There is a similar issue with the beginning of life. They can bring it back all the way to assuming that everything the theory of evolution is saying is true. I wasn't really thinking of talking specifically about the theory of evolution, but if you guys are interested, we could spend a, a lecture on it. But before that, we need to talk about how did life begin. That one is worth talking about. And then, because we've met, mentioned it a few times, there's another topic related to all of this, related to materialism, that I think is worth talking about, worth mentioning. Another example of non-materialistic entities, consciousness. Okay, so without having the big topic of the existence of the soul... Let's drill down into the soul and take one aspect of it, because there's a lot. One aspect of the existence of the soul is consciousness. So what do the biggest experts on consciousness say today? Is it, can we explain it with matter or not? Does it, does it at all fall under energy? That's what we're going to see. So, but even if it's energy, is it the type of energy that I can put under E equals MC square, or are we talking about a different kind of energy that people can worship and uh, link back to as though it has consciousness and it, it knows that we're here and we're... That's a different kind of energy, right? So these were the few topics that I thought we could spend a little bit of time on, inshallah, in the next uh, couple of lectures. And then we go back to where we had left off and our the series of topics that we were addressing in a linear, organized way in theology and beliefs, and we had reached the question of, we were just about to start into divine justice. So two or three topics related to divine justice, one of them being what is usually referred to as divine decree and predestination, so al-qadah wal qadar the link between those and free will, and then the problem of evil in the world. Okay, these are the three big topics that are usually studied under divine justice. So these would be what we go back to, and then we continue from there to the, the topics related to prophethood, 
So why do we have different prophets? What is a prophet? What's a miracle? What's a religion? Why do we have religions? The extension of prophethood with imamah, and then everything related to the afterlife. So these are kind of the next topics that we want to address. So inshallah with this, we have covered everything related to the review of everything we've talked about until now. Unless someone has a specific question, concern about anything we've covered until now. Is it clear and good? We're confident with everything we've presented. We're ready to go write an exam about it and get 100%. Exam. Exam, yeah. <laughs> you don't like that word, huh? <laughs> okay, so inshallah in the next... Uh, in the next gathering, inshallah, we'll, we'll continue off with the the beginning, the origin of life uh, topic, inshallah. Okay? Wa sallallahu ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa tayyibin al-tahdi. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala